this is a bonus episode for you guys. Um, and I know it's not going to be for everyone right now. Uh, I know that when the Big Fat Negative came out with their pregnancy after infertility episode, I did not listen to it. I was like, I want to listen to that someday. And I had actually had the idea to do a pregnancy after infertility episode just because um, I had had a couple of friends who went through the anxiety and all of that. And I couldn't really understand it, but I thought someday I'll understand. And um, so I kind of filed it away in the back of my mind as something I wanted to do someday for when I got pregnant. So I'm happy that that day has come. And um, if you're not ready to listen to this episode, just, you know, file it away. And, um, you know, your time will come and you'll be able to listen to this episode and hopefully identify and find some type of support through knowing that it's normal. Like all of those feelings are totally normal. So in this episode, we'll be talking about pregnancy freely. So there won't be any warnings or triggers or anything. Today I'm joined by Arden Cartret. Is that how you say it? it, it close. It's Cartret. Yeah. Cartret. Like yeah, a... Cartret. Like a um an ink cartridge. <laughs> Wait, no, that's an ink oh cartridge. My gosh, kind of. I've never heard. <laughs> oh my god, I might cut that out because that made me sound like a total that's dumb hilarious. blonde. <laughs> oh my lord, could I be any dumber? I mean, I thought you were right. I for a second I didn't connect that it was cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving along. <laughs> This is Arden. She is, well, I met Arden through Instagram, as I do most of my friends these days. Um, And she is just an amazing person who has shared her story from beginning. um, And I I don't want to say to end because your story is not over. Uh, But you've been so open and honest. And when I was watching your story, just going through your story, I guess I, in some ways, it made me feel uncomfortable with myself because I wouldn't have been that transparent and open in the times that you were. But at the same time, it made me feel so good because someone was out there showing everything like it was because in the beginning when Daniel and I first started trying we didn't tell anyone and we were so private and so I guess embarrassed and like Mm -hmm. nervous about what people would think about us and watching people like you be so open it made me feel like obviously not alone but also, uh-huh. like, that's okay. Like, it's okay to be open about that stuff. And also, it made me feel like I was not broken, you know, that it yeah. happens to others. And I just think that you give courage to people. Like, I really do. I think that you... Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. Well, I just... That's so nice I'm just to saying say. what is true. But even um, whenever I've shared those things, like... Some of those times I was uncomfortable sharing it, but, um, I'm just somebody, I've always been very outspoken, 
but I didn't like, I'm not really into the whole like sharing my whole life on social media, which is kind of funny now, but like on my personal social media, I didn't really, um, like I didn't share every bit of my life. I rarely even updated. Um, but whenever we started trying, I had that embarrassed feeling right away because I, I was afraid that somebody would see my search history on my computer or that I bought pregnancy tests or things like that. And, um, I think I started, whenever I started sharing on Instagram, it was a private account and I was anonymous. So like my name wasn't attached to it. Like nobody I knew could have found it. So I felt like I was kind of a coward that I was open, (laughs) but I wasn't like completely open. You know what I mean? You're just getting your feet wet. I did the Mm -hmm. same thing. You have to become comfortable before you can, I guess, be the type of person that encourages other people, right? Mm -hmm. No, totally. And it's weird to talk to yourself on an Instagram story. Yeah. Like, that took me some time to get used to. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Um, I mean, opening up, um, whenever I put my name on the account, it was, I think, whenever we got pregnant the first time. And that was after we came out, like, to our family that we were going through fertility struggles. And we were very open about that stuff kind of from that point on. So then I didn't care who really found out because our families and close friends knew. So. Right. Mm-hmm. People found out, they found out. I mean, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't advertise it though. <laughs> yeah. So give us, I guess, just tell us a little bit about like yourself personally so we can get to know you first before we dive into all the other yeah. stuff. How did you and Carrie meet? Oh, it's really romantic. We met on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he got drunk and, well, I got drunk and I sent him a friend request and he accepted and he was drunk and sent me a message. And um, then he gave me his number and we started talking. But I actually am friends with his cousin. So I was close oh. friends with his cousin. So I knew who he was, but he was three years older than me and he wasn't really... Um, like on my radar at all. So we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other. Nice. But But then you got drunk in two different places at the same time and the stars aligned. Like Mm -hmm. that's just meant to be basically. It's a romantic love story. Whenever our (laughs) children ask us one day, we're just going to say we met online. (laughs) And just keep it at that. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Mm -hmm. But then when they get older, you'll tell them the real story. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure that Facebook then will be like, Mom, what were you doing on Facebook? Right. That's so late. Facebook will be MySpace at that point. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. So when you guys got together, how long did you mm-hmm. date before you got married? We actually moved really fast. So um from when we started dating, we actually talked about moving in together like only two months into dating. It was kind of crazy. Um And both of us were not really like that. It was, you know, I was listening to your recent episode where you and Daniel kind of talk about from the beginning, you just knew that it was something different. And Carrie and I kind of say the same thing. Like we both weren't looking for a relationship. I was actually just out of a really toxic relationship and he was kind of like a partier. Like he wasn't somebody that I would have ever been interested in, but, um, like he would go out with his friends and get drunk every single weekend. And he just, his priorities were kind of different than mine. But, um, Whenever we met, it just kind of, we only wanted to be together. Yeah. And so we would do more things together, and I got along with his friends and, and things like that. So it just, we just kind of 
I don't know, it just felt right from the very beginning. So we talked very early about moving in together. Um, we didn't move in together until eight months in, which still is kind of early. Um, and then we actually bought our house a year and a half into dating, I think. And so whenever we bought the house, that's when we started talking about marriage more because I didn't want to move into a house that we were on a 30-year mortgage with oh, without, yeah. like, a bigger commitment. So it was kind of me that initiated it, I guess. Um, but um, then we got engaged, and we got married three years after we started dating, nice. which is now four years ago. Yeah. And then y'all so, yeah. just – did you know that you wanted to start trying right away, or did you say – Oh, well, let's wait a bit. Honestly, I we talked very little about children. Like, we would say, like, one day if we have kids, but we, it would always be the if. Mm-hmm. And I actually came from not a, a great childhood. I don't really have a, rela- a great relationship with either of my parents um, that's, like, super healthy or anything like that. So for me, I was kind of afraid to have kids to mess my kids up the way that my parents, I felt, messed me up. So, um I actually didn't know if I wanted to have kids for that reason. I thought I wouldn't be a good mother because I didn't think I had a good role model. Um, But he has, like, the best family, like, very close and loving. And so he's always known that he wanted to have kids. Um, So in the early days, we just continued to get dogs. And so now we have four (laughs) dogs. Just start collecting dogs. That would be yeah, like Daniel's I mean, that dream. Was just kind of our thing. Yeah. We, every time we would have baby fever, we would get a puppy. And, um... Then we would be like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot of work. But now we have four dogs, but they were kind of like our babies for a while. Plus, like, we knew that we had to be in a good financial place to even talk about having kids. So it wasn't until I have the job that I have now. Um, I got it two, three years ago now. Um, And that's when we started talking and really jumped into trying but not preventing. Or not trying but not preventing. So you said Carrie was kind of like had a suspicion that, he would have trouble yeah, um, I, reproducing. Did you, mm-hmm. when did you start to feel that way? I like, I can remember the exact moment because it's like a breakthrough in our journey that I had. It was around the 10 month mark. And I just like, I was like, something is wrong. This isn't working. I could not imagine making it to that 12 month mark and then seeing a reproductive endocrinologist and having infertility on my medical documents it was just something that really um it made me feel really broken it made me feel like I felt like I had a deadline like I felt like I had to get pregnant by that 12th month that 12th month mark or I was gonna be infertile and I didn't want to be infertile um until that point I mean I was disappointed it wasn't happening and like I from the first month I would cry over every single negative test or when my period started but I didn't really let Carrie know how disappointed I was until the 10th month. So that was kind of my breaking point. And he had no idea, like, how invested I was in this. Or, like, he didn't know that every time my period started at work, I would sit in the bathroom and cry until I filled him in on all of that. So I'd say around that 10th mark, um, that was kind of like, okay, this isn't happening. I want to know why. I want to get help. Like, that was just kind of my breaking point, I guess. Yeah. Because as a woman, it's happening to your body. Like mm-hmm. it's your, from day to day, you're, you're monitoring your cycle, your period, your ovulation. Mm-hmm. And it's like a trip. It's, you literally are taken down this trip from one yeah. period to the next. And 
you take it so personally because it's Mm -hmm. every single day you're thinking about it. Whereas the guy is like so far removed and he's like just waiting for it to be a yes. He's not like, you know, it's not happening to him. So it's funny how differently they see it Mm -hmm. sometimes. Well, after I, I kind of let him in on how I was feeling, um, that's when we made our pact to where I would not take a pregnancy test by myself. So he wanted me to always take it with him in the room. That way I didn't have to go through it by myself, which was really nice of him um, to even bring up and, or say, because I mean, I would get up at like 5 a.m. on like eight days past ovulation, like, okay, I could take a test. And um, so now he wanted to be a part of it. And um, I think the next month we had like another, just kind of, we realized that we were getting closer to having to see a specialist. And I remember that was like the first time that he really cried over the disappointment. And it was just really hard for us to go through as a couple realizing that something we wanted wasn't happening for us. Right. But, but he, I I don't know why he thought something was wrong with him. He didn't bring it up much after we started trying. It was always before we started. um, And it was before we got married. Wow. So that was really the more, like the more, um, he worried about it for some reason. Interesting. So mm-hmm. when you started trying and nothing was happening, when did you start the Hello Warrior blog? Um, so I started Hello Warrior, but it was under a different name before because it was kind of like my outlet just to vent about everything. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of more negative than I wanted to be, so I've deleted everything. But yeah. um, it was like... Only five months in did I start blogging, and I had, like, the anonymous account on Instagram. So I actually was looking for an outlet a lot earlier um, than I told Carrie that I was getting kind of, you know, anxious it wasn't happening. Um, Five months in is when I joined my first, like, online support group, and then I started the blog under a different name, and I would just kind of, at that point, I would only blog about my journey. Like, I I would write down my, um, it was more for me to chronicle like my ovulation symptoms and things like that. Um, but after my first miscarriage is when I actually rebranded to Hello Warrior. And, um, instead of being a place for me to talk about my journey and then about my frustrations, um, I kind of wanted to create a resource for other people to where they could come to me and they want to share their story and I can help them do it on Hello Warrior. So, um, now that is obviously Hello Warrior, and my reason for the whole rebrand and the name was just because, you know, in the community, we call ourselves infertility warriors and miscarriage warriors, and um, I just wanted it to be, like, a place for everybody. So I share, like, other women's journeys now. I still share mine. I'll share, like, um, tips or things that I learned. So it's just kind of, like, something for everything. And I wanted it to be able to grow with me as hopefully my journey grew. Right. So, um So, yeah, that's kind of what – and it's funny because um, back to listening to your last podcast episode with Daniel where you mentioned that this has become such a passion for you, it's like especially after my first miscarriage, like when I went through that, I realized that like maybe this is all happening to me for some reason. Maybe I'm supposed to talk about this. Maybe I'm supposed to help somebody else through it. And um, it just kind of made me feel like I had a purpose. Right. And so that's why I just continued to um, grow the blog and continue to share because I knew that even if it helped one person, that was worth it to me. 
And I've always found it so inspirational, like when people lose a child or, you know, when people's child get hit by a drunk driver or something and they become like an advocate. I think that you can't let something tragic happen to you and just let it be part of your story. You know, like I think you have to, I mean, I don't want to say you have to because some people are not comfortable with it, but right. If you are comfortable with it, I think you owe it to the world to just say, look, I'm here. This happened to me. If you want to talk about it, like that's basically basics. That's what it is. Um, I've been through it too. You're not alone. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. And, And so whatever we can do as, I don't want to say survivors of it, but people who've been through that kind of trauma, um, it's like, why not? Why not use it for yeah, good? No, totally. Um, Carrie and I kind of joke because he tells me that I'm kind of like a miscarriage coach. <laughs> the term he uses. <laughs> because um, especially after my first miscarriage, um, like my first one, I knew that it was happening, but um, it happened unexpected, unexpectedly at home before my DNC. So I was very unprepared. I, I did not know what to expect because nobody would tell me. And... Um, after that, I was like, I never want another woman to go through what I went through that night. So whenever I would see somebody in the community say, you know, I got the news today that my baby stopped growing at eight weeks and I have to decide what my options are, I would reach out to them privately and say, if you go through this naturally, here's my number. Let's talk. Like, I'll walk you through everything and, you know, help you feel um, kind of more prepared. Like, I would yes. tell them what to buy and I would tell them, yes. I'd prepare them for what things would look like because I'd didn't expect it when it happened to me. And it was, I mean, it's really traumatizing. Yeah. And so I would just kind of be available for people to talk it through as it was happening. Um, so even though we joke that I'm kind of a miscarriage coach, like I don't, you know, I do that because I want to help other people. I don't want people to go through what I went through. Right. Because you're right. Nobody tells you about the gruesome details and nobody is honest. And it really, that was like the most frustrating thing to me, um, during my first miscarriage, even my second miscarriage, the second time I took the misoprotol, I'm probably butchering the name. Um, and nobody told me that like 40% of people hemorrhage days after taking it. Right. And so after I shared that that happened to me and I ended up in the hospital, people were like, I didn't want to scare you. I didn't want to tell you that yeah. happened to me as well. And I was like, scare me. I'm already scared. Right. It would you have know? been like, nice to just me. have all the facts, like yeah. potentially, you know, be prepared. And I totally get that. And I loved the um, guest blog that you did on the infertility website oh, yeah. um, about kind of the miscarriage, what is it, kit? <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like, I would like bring around this kit with Yeah, me. <laughs> all the things that you'll need. When mm-hmm. I was going through my first miscarriage, I remember going into CVS and I can't remember if Daniel was with me or not, but I just remember having to buy those overnight pads mm-hmm. and I felt well first I felt really dirty, like, ew, I've gotta wear these and then Yeah. When I was checking out, I felt like these are for me to miscarry my baby. Like the, the, the person ringing me up has no idea that these are for me miscarrying my baby. Like they have no idea. And I just, it was, 
it was just horrible. Like it was horrible. No one, I, I had no idea what it would be like. I just, you know, my doctor told me to go get some of those thick, heavy overnight pads and don't wear tampons, but I just had no idea what it would be like. No idea. No, at all. Like I, I think I wrote on like my online, um, support group at the time. And I was like, ladies who have had a miscarriage, you know, what was it like? And just everybody said a heavy period. And I keep Mm. like, I don't know if they didn't want to tell me the truth or if they were just trying to put it nicely. But I mean, both of mine were not heavy periods because I have heavy periods. I have terrible periods. And that was like three or four times the pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think that everybody's afraid to talk about like the blood and like the gory details. Like I wrote, um, I wrote another guest blog post for, um, I think it was fertility smarts and I wrote about my first miscarriage in detail. And I said, is this going to be too gory for your website? And they were like, no, you know, we want somebody to tell these details. I was like, good. Like I just kind of like, I offer it up because I mean, as women, we should be aware of what a miscarriage looks like, no matter if it's a six weeks, seven weeks, 10 weeks, you know, right. Yeah. Like, our baby did not have a heartbeat, but what I lost was like, I mean, it, it's still, it's the same, like it's the, the same, same size and the same yeah process. Yeah. So just nobody wants to prepare you for it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's mm-hmm. so great. Tell people where they can find your blog. Um, my blog is hello dash warrior. Hello hyphen. I don't think a dash is a correct word. Um, a hello hyphen warrior.com. And my Instagram is Arden M as in Mary Cartret. Cartridge. Hopefully the spelling is in the notes. Not, not cartridge. <laughs> yeah. Not cartridge because yeah. that will be someone else maybe. Yeah. I wonder if there is an Arden cartridge out there. That poor girl. <laughs> um, yes, I will put the links to her blog and um to her instagram and all of that in the podbean notes so that you can go and i think it'll show up on apple's podcast as well um so what we wanted to talk about today really was we just wanted to talk about what it's like being pregnant after having experienced miscarriage and infertility for long periods of time. I know Arden and my story is really different. However, we both have experienced recurrent miscarriage. Um, It took me a little bit longer to get to where I'm at. Um, I didn't have an easy time getting pregnant. Like, uh, I would say Arden through your medicated cycles, it seemed like every, (laughs) every medicated cycle worked for you. Um, it was just a matter of keeping that pregnancy. What did that feel like, I guess, getting, feeling like they were working every single time and then having the miscarriage? Um, well, with the medicated cycles working, I felt like I, I felt like I was the most fertile, infertile woman, (laughs) like ever. And it was really frustrating because that actually, you know, although it's great that it works for me, it also made me feel more broken because it's like, if this works so easily with a pill, I don't understand why it's not happening on its own. Right. Um, 
But one of our three pregnancies was natural, but I, to this day, cannot figure out how the hell it happened. Like, I think about it often, and I have absolutely no idea how it happened. And um, with the medicated cycles, it really, I mean, it's, it's hard to accept that we needed medicine, but I also remind myself that like that doesn't work for a lot of people. And I consider myself extremely blessed in that case. Um, it almost makes me feel guilty to be honest. Like it makes me feel like there's somebody out there that deserves it more than me. And I kind of took their chance if that makes any sense. Yeah. But you can't feel that way. I I know. I know it's natural to feel that way. I feel that way too. Like after everything we've been through and then we got pregnant naturally, like it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel right because there are people that have been going through this longer than we have and had, have had more rounds of IVF than we have had. And I feel guilty that it somehow happened for us and not for other people. And it, and, but then you have to look at it like, no, you know, I've been through hell And everyone deserves to, well, I don't want to say everyone deserves to be parents because um, (laughs) I encounter a lot of people on a daily basis who shouldn't have kids, but I would say that everybody in our community (laughs) deserves to um, eventually get their dreams. Um, But I totally can identify with you feeling guilty about that. Yeah. Well, can I ask you, even though I'm the guest on your podcast, like, do you ever feel angry that you went through what, I mean, it was almost 10 years of yeah. trying, right, for you guys. You went through that. You went through numerous IVF cycles and transfers and miscarriages to have surgery. And then for it to happen at this point, like, do you feel angry that that was that could have been the answer five years ago, um, but it never came up? Like, do you ever feel, you know what I mean? Yes, I feel pissed. Um, yeah. And Daniel and I both we try not to have that conversation. We've had the conversation, of course. Um, but we, it's, it makes us angry because we are in debt and living in this townhouse, which is fine. Like that's just, that's how life is sometimes. Um, when you don't know, you don't know. Um, but I will say that at one point we did know that it was endometriosis and we were asking for help. And my RE was like not interested in, in exploring that because his, he, he is our former RE. Let me just put it that way. Um, in his mind, endometriosis doesn't cause infertility. And we were just like, that is a low, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I know for a fact that that's not the truth. Um, and so, yeah, it makes us really angry. Um, and then to hear, you know, Dr. Braverman told us if this had been addressed years ago, we would have four kids and we'd be living in the countryside. Um, so naturally. So, I mean, yeah, it really pisses me off that, um, we went through all of that and spent all of that money for nothing. But then at the same time, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And I wouldn't be talking to you. And I wouldn't have connected with all of the amazing people that I've connected with um, in our community. So yes, it makes me mad. (laughs) But I think growing 
hurts. Anytime you grow through something, it's painful. And so you just have to look at it for what it is in the big picture. And then you just somehow move on. Well, and you also have to think about like, I I think I struggled with this thought. I think it was last week because I thought about, um, I felt guilty that I felt happy to be pregnant with this baby because I lost two babies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like being happy about this baby means that like I've forgotten about those. Yeah. Um, That, you know, and I, I didn't, even the, but you can't say like I would rather have one of those living than this one. It it just makes no sense in your head. Like you can't make sense of it at all. One hundred percent. Because if you didn't go through that stuff, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have that little girl on your stomach. Right. And I've always told myself, I think if this has been like the thing that has kept me grounded, like through fertility, everything. Um, I always like imagined this one moment, like whenever our child is born and in our arms where it just makes sense. Like in that moment, we understand why it took so long or why we had to go through those miscarriages and, um, we just feel grateful, you know? Yeah. So I think about that often, but like, it makes me feel confused to feel, um, I don't know, like you still mourn the other lives that could have been, but like you couldn't have done anything to make them be what right. this one is. And I think that's the thing about comparison and that that whole you know saying that comparison comparison is the thief of joy because mm-hmm. when you compare one pregnancy to the next it's like you know when when every time we see our daughter on that screen and I see her moving and I feel her moving I'm in awe of her life and I'm in yeah. I'm just I sit there and I'm speechless about how strong she is to have gotten here and she's made it further than anyone and she's basically defied the odds. I mean, we got pregnant right after my surgery, naturally, like she wanted to be here and I can't say, well, why didn't the other ones want to be here? Like why? Because it was, the circumstances were different. I had disease in my body that was that was not allowing them to live and you know you have to look at every pregnancy separately and say this is a miracle those were miracles like all of the embryos that we lost they were all miracles too I mean Mm -hmm. the fact that I had endometriosis all over my ovaries and I was still able to make healthy eggs I think was a miracle so um, yeah. they, they were miracles too. They just weren't meant to be here. Um, yeah. they weren't, and you know, it's probably good because this world is crap sometimes. I mean, this world is crap. Gosh, it scares me. Like sending yeah, my daughter to school and like, will she be safe? And you know, it's just like, they're probably better off just going straight to heaven, you know, than yeah. having to have experienced this world um totally but I mean I so in that when I look at it that way I am kind of thankful that they're safe (laughs) they're safer somewhere (laughs) else um in heaven um and not here but yeah so yeah I mean I guess moving on to the anxiety part of pregnancy it's there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that pregnancy in the early days thinking, you know, 
well, any minute mm-hmm. the, the shoe's going to drop and any second, you know, every time I went to the bathroom, I would check my panties. Like I would yeah. be like, is there blood? You know, I was mm-hmm. just like expecting there to be, you know, I was just expecting it to be the bad, the worst case scenario every time. Right. Did, Did you, you feel that way? spotting with this pregnancy? I did. So I probably had spotting at six weeks, seven weeks, and 11 weeks. But it was really, really light. Um, It wasn't ever on the panty liner. It was always just on the tissue. And, Mm -hmm. but which still scared the crap out of me. Totally. Um, But one happened, I think the six week, um, that happened right after a scan. And so I called the doctor and she's like, yeah, that can happen with, you know, transvaginal ultrasounds that can cause bleeding sometimes. Don't worry. Um, I went in anyways for like another little scan and um, everything was fine. But uh, so, yeah, I did. I had a few instances and of course, each time it freaked me out. Um, Mm -hmm. But have you had any spotting with this pregnancy? I had spotting at six weeks and um, seven weeks, or in between six and seven weeks, but um, it started really light, and it would get, like, heavier, and there was one day where I was like, I miss Gary. Like, I told Gary I wanted him to take me to the hospital, Um, but he was, he, like, I showed him the amount of blood that was in my underwear, and he was like, it's really not a lot. Like, it's, it's still considered spotting, and he was kind of talking me off a ledge, because to me, it was like blood everywhere feels like a um, lot when you're when it's happening to you no and totally and one of my biggest triggers is um is is blood like my periods um especially after miscarriage are extremely triggering for me to where like my bosses understand that so I'm usually at home the first couple of days of my period because like I'm just an emotional wreck Mm -hmm. and um so seeing blood was really hard for me in general but we had our first scan at seven weeks so I had to wait like a week for our first scan I still called my doctor and said you know I'm spotting and they they told me what to look out for if it got you know if it had clots or if it was more than filling a panty liner then that's normally not normal right um at the first scan they saw that I had I probably butchering the name, the subchronic hematoma. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did have that. So that at least we had a reason for the bleeding, which actually made me feel better. Um, and we saw the heartbeat for the first time. So um, I did have spotting and it was so, that caused me the most anxiety I think I've had this entire pregnancy. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's just so terrible. I know. And then you constantly are waiting for it to happen again because now you know what it looks like in this pregnancy for you to spot. So you're on the lookout all the time. Exactly. Yeah. I wore panty liners every single day just because I thought, what if I start to miscarry or what if I start to spot or, you know, and I just, it's such, I wish we could just enjoy our being pregnant, but it wasn't that at all. It was, I mean, I was, terrified when we went into our first scan. I mean, I was excited, but having that memory of going in for a scan and seeing nothing there, like I had a gestational sac, but there was nothing in there. And I was like meant to be nearly 12 weeks along at that time. This was when we had our ectopic. And I, I just remember 
being so confused at that time thinking, what? Like, there's nothing in there? Are you sure you can't find it? But I was so scared when we went for our first scan with this pregnancy because I just thought, I I don't want to look at the screen. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I just kind of, like, I didn't look at the screen right away. And then I kind of, like, glanced over and I just thought, please let there be something in there. Just let there be something in there, you know? Yeah. And then... I had all of that anxiety the first scan. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then with each scan, it's like, please let it have grown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> please let it have grown. Yes. Um, please let there be a heartbeat or, and my mom would ask me, did you cry when you first saw the baby? And I was like, no, I was relieved. It wasn't even like a, oh, you know, the, yeah. oh, it's so beautiful. Like the, that, that type of moment that other people uh-huh. get to experience. It was like, you know, every single time it was like, okay, it's grown. Okay. The heart is still beating. Yeah. And, that's exactly um, how I felt. yeah. And it's so weird. I never, even after all of this time, I never thought that it would be like this. Mm-mm. Never. I, I totally agree. I had the most, I cried, I've cried once at a scan and it was at 11 weeks. Um, because in between 10 and 11 weeks, for some reason, my anxiety was just sky high. I mean, I've met so many people in this community that lost babies at 10 yeah. weeks and that's just in my head. And, um, I, so I, I had weekly scans until 12 weeks. So in between the 10th week scan and the 11 week scan, for some reason I was just a mess and going in for that 11 week scan, I had convinced myself that something was wrong. Like I just couldn't imagine that I would not have a 10 week loss when all these other people, you know, did. And, so seeing um, the heart flickering on the screen for that scan, I started crying, but it was still out of relief. Like, right. it wasn't because it was so beautiful I was going to die. It was, yeah. I was just so happy that I was wrong in my head. It's so um, interesting that you bring up the fact that you remember people having miscarriages at that particular week because I felt that every single scan oh, I remember she miscarried at six weeks or, oh, I remember they miscarried at eight weeks and then 10 weeks. And then, you know, I have a friend who had a 23 week loss. And so by the time I made it all the way to 23 weeks, I was like, well, that still doesn't mean that we're out of the woods, you know, or something bad could still happen. And now I'm 26 weeks, nearly 27 weeks. And I, I think that after the 12 week, 14 week mark, I started feeling really comfortable in the pregnancy and started to allow myself to enjoy, um, you know, journal more and take more pics and, you know, video more and things like that. Um, but in those early days, I was just like, you know, this is just more ammo that I'm going to have to delete if I miscarry. Yeah, I thought about it like that, too. I would say um, week 12 was really a turning point for me in the way that I, like, felt. Mainly, I something that helps my anxiety is I use a home Doppler. So I found yeah. the heartbeat right before 12 weeks. And for me, that was just a very big milestone that I could hear the heartbeat at home. So um, now I listen to the heartbeat every day, and that really helps me, even though I know a lot of people don't think that's great. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Um, but my doctor said I could do it two or three times a day and she's totally fine with it. And, um, that for me is something that really helps my anxiety 
but as I've hit 13 weeks now tomorrow I'm 14 weeks so I'm in like a whole nother trimester it's just so crazy that I made it that far yeah and um I think I'm starting to relax a little bit more like I've started researching strollers and cribs and things like that which is kind of overwhelming but I wasn't doing that before like I wouldn't look up a single pregnancy related item because I didn't want my google to have it in like my right. ads and stuff yeah um it's just but at, like what you said about how it'd be more ammo I think I felt like that with our second pregnancy and I didn't take a single photo I didn't write down like a single way I was feeling and it's one of my biggest regrets because I did it with my first pregnancy and like, I have nothing to remember the second one by because I threw out all of my pregnancy tests. I just kind of trashed everything. And um, this time I told Carrie, I said, you know, even if we buy things, even if we lose the baby at 20 weeks, at 30 weeks, or, you know, if we don't get to bring the baby home, like, it's going to hurt all the same no matter right. what we have to remember it by. So 100%. we kind of go by that. Yeah, exactly. And about the Dopplers, we got a Doppler at 10 weeks and I, I wanted one, um, sooner than that, but I had read all the stuff like, don't get one because, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll mistake your heartbeat for the baby's heartbeat and then you'll feel safe and then it's not really safe and then blah, blah, blah. But at that 10 week mark, I was like, screw it. I, I have Mm -hmm. to be able to do something. And so we we started listening to the baby's heartbeat every single, um, night before bed. Mm-hmm. And it just made us feel, and I encourage anyone, um, I agree. just make sure you know the difference between your heartbeat and the baby's heartbeat. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and then you'll be fine once you find it. Right. Um, and my placenta is actually in the back. So my doctor said that we would hear, we would probably be able to find her heartbeat easier. So my okay. doctor was okay with it. Um, and it just, it really did help us. Um, and I would encourage anyone who has experienced infertility, um, just know how to use it. I would, that's the only real thing I would have to say is, um, make sure you're, you're using it properly and then, you know, it will help. It will help that anxiety in those early days. I agree. Yeah. I can see how it causes people anxiety because some people can't use it because it um, causes them anxiety, but for me, it just eases it. I had one moment where I couldn't find the heartbeat. I was maybe, I mean, I had, I think it was like last week. I'm not sure. It was before bed and I couldn't find the heartbeat, but it's kind of like I just said to myself that I need to trust that this baby is strong enough and, Ooh, excuse me. Almost had a burp. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I have to trust this baby is strong enough and it's, you know, it's made it this far. Plus, at I was like 12 or 13 weeks at the time um there's so many places for them to hide that yeah. it's so easy not to find it so I just kind of told myself that I just need to trust that this time is different I went to bed slept fine I woke up I tried again and I found it so um I think it's really about like your mental state too yeah like, don't do it if it's gonna make it worse exactly and and you have to know that and I think um the thing about being on Instagram Um, you know, in those early days, I, of course, no one knew for a really long time, um, that I was pregnant. Um, I think I told you, you did, and I told, um, a couple other people that I had gotten really close to 
just because I didn't want them to find out through an announcement. And you were at the time probably going through, I think your second miscarriage or you had soon, you had gone through your miscarriage, not that long before or after. Um, Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So, and I just, I just kind of wanted to tell you because I, you, you establish these relationships with people and they are real, real relationships. Mm -hmm. And so just like a friend in real life, you wouldn't want them to be blindsided by finding out on Facebook. And so I had told, um, you know, a few, a handful of people, um, through private message. Also, the reason I did that was because I needed support. I mean, I was struggling. I, I was really struggling with anxiety and, um, not being able to sleep. Um, I was worried. I mean, the fear, the panic, just, I, a lot of my, um, early pregnancy symptoms like nausea and all of that kind of stuff was really overshadowed by anxiety. And it's funny because a lot of people, like my mom asked me if I was really sick in the beginning because I get car sick and I just, Mm -hmm. I'm like a nauseous prone person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe that particular fact helped me cope with the nausea better. But um, I never like puked or anything. There were bad days, but obviously, I mean, not obviously, but um, honestly, I think that all of those things in the first trimester were really overshadowed by that anxiety. And so it was hard to be like, oh, I feel so sick when really I was like, oh my God, I'm so worried, (laughs) you know, like that was my ailment of choice was the anxiety did you feel that way no I did and I honestly wonder if I had any symptoms that I just didn't realize I had symptoms of things plus I was on progesterone so Mm -hmm. I kind of already felt like a zombie just from the added progesterone but I had so much anxiety and I wouldn't speak it out loud because I was so afraid that if I voiced the anxiety it would like make it happen even though I don't even know if I believe that that is how things happen yeah but like I thought that I would just manifest a miscarriage if that even makes any sense yeah totally um so I definitely agree that I don't I honestly don't know what symptoms I had in the early days because I wasn't focusing on it right as crazy as it sounds um but I definitely like I'm somebody who I don't feel really good in the car especially if I'm not driving so I didn't feel good in the car pregnant but that wasn't abnormal for me or um I think I was just like extra hungry. I think that might have been tired. Yeah. Like that was really the only thing that was maybe stronger than my anxiety. Yeah. Well, I was on a steroid, so I definitely was hungry (laughs) and tired. But um, I think that was my initial, like pretty much my only complaint in the first trimester was that I was eating like anything that was not someone else's or pinned down or anything that I could get my hands on. It was just food all the time. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, and I certainly have memories of feeling nauseous and I really like those memories because it makes me feel like it was normal in some sense Mm -hmm. and that I did experience those early pregnancy symptoms. But for the most part, it was just, I would, 
you know, crawl up next to Daniel and just be like, I'm so scared. And then he would just, you know, he was really good at, um, being like this, this is different. Like this is our baby. Like this is an, in, even if it was just for a second, I would believe him. Um, and that was so crazy how we believe, like Carrie does the same thing where he's like, everything is fine. And for a second, I'm like, you're right. Everything is fine. But it's like, what does he know? Yeah. That I'm believing him. (laughs) That's what I told Dan. I mean, Daniel is like that type of person where the, the house could be on fire and he'd be like, everything's okay. Like, it's fine. We're alive. Like, and, and I would just be like, no, it's not fine. Um, but he has a way of really minimizing, um, I guess things, which is annoying to me, but also is, is (laughs) quite a gift. Um, sometimes, especially when I was feeling so, scared and anxious about things I think I needed that um and like like I said it was just even if it was for a second I would believe him mm-hmm. um so yeah that was good that was I agree. good to have him he there. also Jerry um he kind of worries more now than I think he used to for sure like because of our losses if I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom he's like alert and he's like are you okay yeah. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just going to the bathroom. And it, I don't know if, if people who never experience infertility or loss, if, if their nights look like that, but Carrie never used to be like that. Like he would sleep through me getting out of the bed mm-hmm. or anything like that. But like with our first miscarriage, it happened in the middle of the night where I got up thinking I need to use the bathroom. And that's when it, I realized it was happening. And so, um, I think that like, even though it's indirect PTSD from it, he kind of has that mentality like, what if something is wrong and I'm not there? Right. So he does worry. He just tries not to show you because he knows you're doing enough worrying by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To be the man. Exactly. And I, I have asked Daniel that, like, did you, were you really, did you really have anxiety or were you really scared in our first trimester or were you just pretending to be strong and he says that he doesn't like he says that he really believed that this was it for us and so (laughs) I don't know I you know like Carrie was so positive and he was like you know let's not think about the past this is different and um at our first scan whenever we saw the flicker and the doctor walked out of the room like his eyes were filled with tears like it's almost like he didn't want to tell me how scared he was but now he was so relieved that he was right yeah but that was I mean other than that like he just acts super strong and I don't know if he's acting or if he is like he never lets me he never lets me know if he's just putting on a face for us both but it's almost nice to know that somebody is at least having it together right you don't have to have it together right now right and that's what makes a great relationship (laughs) is when they can balance you out I know I don't know if I can handle it I know it would be it would be intense (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm so thankful I I mean I'm I've always been thankful for Daniel but I think you know, having gone through infertility for so long, um, he kept my life interesting and, Mm -hmm. um, made me feel like I had more to my life. And that's, what's great. I mean, I've, I'm so thankful for that. And, 
then in the early stages, obviously thankful for, um, feeling like, you know, this was it. Um, this is our baby. This is our little rainbow and she's coming, you know? Yeah. It was so hard to get into that mentality of, oh, she's growing. Um, I'm pregnant. And then to switch to crap, we've got to get a car seat. (laughs) Um, she's actually coming and there's like a due date and there's, um, it's weird because I feel like, you know, we're nearly 27 weeks now and I'm sitting in her, what will be her nursery. And I'm looking at the boxes, her dressers in a box, her crib is in a box. Um, and so we're going to get that stuff put together soon, but it's like, they tell, they say that, after 20 week or after 20, 24 weeks, you should have all the stuff. Cause what if they come early? And I'm right. like, well, I don't want her to come early, but <laughs> crap. What if she does come early? Yeah. Um, but it's hard to shift into that. No, we can't put the crib together because that's just one more thing. We'll have to take apart just in case right. something bad happens or, you know, we can't get this, that, or the other, um, it's hard. It's hard to switch gears, but I think, mm-hmm. I think I'm there. Do you, I know you said after the 14 week mark, you started to feel more comfortable. Do you feel like you're, you're there yet? I, I feel more comfortable. I haven't bought like a single piece of clothing or anything. So Carrie and I to celebrate going into the second trimester, we're going to go and buy like an outfit or something. We're going to do gender neutral Aww. because we don't know the sex yet. Um, just to kind of make it feel more real, but yeah. I still, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable buying things. Like, even though I am starting to believe that it will happen, I'm so uncomfortable with having baby stuff in the house. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It is <laughs> I feel like strange. after 24 weeks, and I wonder if you felt like that because of the whole viability thing mm-hmm. and how they can live on the outside, did that make you feel better? I felt, um, I would say at the 24 week mark, it was like, yay, viability. But then it's yeah. not really. Cause it's like, she has yeah. a 50% chance now of yeah. living outside. Um, which is a 50% chance. But I do think once you get over that hump, it's, it's better. Like every single week, like at 26 weeks, it's a 70% chance yeah. at 27 or 28 weeks. It's like a 90% chance they could live. So I think you, um, you start doing that whole Dr. Google thing and you start Googling and it's just every single week feels more like you've made it another step. Um, and so every bump pick means more every single week means more. And I started saying that, you know, a while back when I got pregnant, I said, you know, I'm not doing anything to that guest room. And in fact, we found out we were pregnant the day before we moved into this townhome. And Daniel was like, well, shouldn't we go ahead and just not move the bed and the, you know, we had like a desk and a bed. It was a whole guest room. And he's like, shouldn't we just put all this in storage instead of moving it in and setting it up when we're just going to have to, you know, in a couple of months, take it all out. And I was like, no, because what if something bad happens? And then we just have an empty room and we have to address it. And then we're going to have to go to storage and move the bed in. And, you know, and, and to me, 
I just was like, no, we'll just see how it goes, you know, and that was another kind of, um, you do things to safeguard and protect yourself at, at all costs, um, with infertility. And that's including, you know, not going on Instagram and stuff like that. And it's just, um, a mind game, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I kept telling myself I wouldn't get anything ready until 30 weeks. And like, now I'm starting to feel that excitement at 14 weeks. Like, well, now I want to buy stuff. Yeah. But I'm also afraid to do it. it it's a total mind game and it makes no sense. I have some onesies that I bought the first time we were pregnant to tell Carrie that we were pregnant. Um, they're very like manly because at <laughs> like Walmart, there's no like all pink or blue. It was right. really frustrating to find something to give him but both of our favorite colors are blue so that's why I got it but um I mean we've put them on our dogs like (laughs) I don't know if the baby gets them (laughs) because I have small dogs and they all look so cute in baby ones (laughs) oh you just cut a little hole for the tail yeah (laughs) you've got a little outfit oh that's so sweet well I hope that that we start getting more excited and I think I don't know I think now we're showing especially and like once I tell the agents in the office I'll be able to be super open about it yeah I'm sure they're wondering why I'm eating like three things of easy mac for lunch (laughs) and using the bathroom every five seconds I know I was eating probably every three hours I would have like two lunches I would have snacks and then fruit and then like just a bunch of food and yeah I was doing that for a while and now I'm in the habit of getting a pre-dinner burger and it's Man. a really unhealthy habit to be in. I and saw Carrie your free like hamburger the other day. That was... On Instagram, yeah. <laughs> it was honestly delicious, and I have not stopped thinking about it, but Carrie told me that I had three burgers last week. All of them were from McDonald's, which I do not eat fast food. Like, I think fast food is so terrible, and I can't <laughs> eat it. Like, Chick-fil-A, I think it's fine. I think it's better quality, but like McDonald's and Burger King and things like that, I don't normally eat. Yeah. But... I have been loving McDonald's. Wow. It's well, terrible. Maybe the Super baby unhealthy. wants it. The baby just wants it. I I don't know what to say. I I don't eat hamburgers. I I haven't eaten a hamburger probably in over ten years. But um Oh really? I smell them when Daniel gets them and I'm like, Man, if there was ever gonna be a time where I would eat a hamburger ever again, it would be now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not even a burger person. Like, I don't get burgers often. Yeah. They're just, I don't really like to eat hunks of meat. Like, it's just not my thing. It's just <laughs> kind of gross of to me. But yeah. For some reason, it's delicious right now. That and Easy Mac. Like, specific brand Easy Mac. That's all I want. Yeah. It's really bad. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pregnancy for you. Mm-hmm. I'm at the point in pregnancy where... I can't really eat much because of the reflux, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I don't want the food. I mean, I want the food. I have gained a little weight already. Yeah. Food. But I didn't weigh myself between the second pregnancy and this pregnancy, so I honestly don't know what is, like, grief weight because I kind of, uh, like, punished my body with food for a while. I did the same thing. I'm I just, did I the same food. thing. I would I just be why, like... That's what I did. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what I eat Mm -hmm. and I would kind of self-sabotage and I would punish myself, you know, punish my body for being a total piece of crap and Uh just be like, well, it doesn't matter what I eat. (laughs) I did the same thing. 
same thing, and then I realized I was punishing myself because I was gaining weight. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> now it's just extra skin for yeah. to stretch out. I there guess. you go. See, you were you were doing the pre work, so you're already stretching your skin. <laughs> there you go. And now you won't have as many stretch marks. <laughs> oh, I hope not. My boobs have grown more than my stomach has. Oh my god, my boobs are like huge, huge. Like, even to get totally TMI, because that's just what this is, Kiri said to me the other day and made me cry. He's like, oh, your nipples have gotten a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. Like, Are you kidding me? Did you just say that out loud? Yeah. They're huge. He was like, I mean it as a good thing. And I was like, I'm not taking it as a good thing. <laughs> so he made me cry, but he felt really bad. Yeah. The nips uh, get pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, everything else. Well, Arden, I've taken so much of your time already. I know. I feel bad. I feel bad that I took so much of your time. No. No, don't feel bad. Um, But thank you so much for joining me today. It it means a lot that you are so open and honest. And um, I really appreciate you being a guest for this particular episode Um, in particular. It's really special to have you here. So thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for asking me. It was fun to talk to you outside of Instagram. I know. It was fun. We should do it more often. (laughs) Yeah.